Let's continue the conversation about the U.S. dollar and start there by bringing in Matt Weller, Global Head of Research at Forex.com and City Index. Matt, let's talk about the rise in the dollar here. It keeps going despite what was a very strong consensus coming into this year that it was going to be a one-way trade lower for the dollar. What's been most surprising? What's the easiest way to explain, uh, explain the strength? Yeah, it's absolutely down to what I call the battle of the V's. So we have vaccines on one side and variants on the other side. Right now, if we look at the data, the vaccines are, are ramping up dramatically. We've we've been approaching 3 million vaccines here in the U.S. the last couple of days. I think that's going to become firmly established above 3 million in the coming month. I think President Biden said something to the extent of 90 percent of the U.S. population will be eligible for a vaccine in about three weeks time. And I think that's uh, something that traders are recognizing is going to lead to an absolutely massive boom in economic activity as we uh, head into the summer months. And so it seems that the U.S. here, we've got the advantage to some of that, given that for the most part, we're headed pretty much everywhere by most standards, apart from a few uh, places around the world. This is generally very strong compared to Europe. Uh, we've seen the way the euro is weakened compared to the U.S. dollar. So is this something we should think of, Matt, as being a potential short-term boon for the dollar where let's say Europe gets through all their vaccine issues and they start rebounding the way we are, then is that dollar bearish or is it the head start and the overall power of the U.S. economy that can roar on a sustainable basis and keep the rally in the dollar going? I think you've nailed it. I think the head start plays a role, but the other factor that we need to consider is fiscal and monetary policymakers. At the moment, the U.S. is among the most aggressive in the world in terms of the Fed aggressively buying assets, keeping interest rates near zero. The, the median Fed member still expects interest rates to be near zero percent through 2024, as we learned in the Fed meeting last week. Uh, so I think that's something that Europe, frankly, right now is not going to be able to emulate. And that's something that should keep the U.S. dollar on the front foot against the euro. So we've got the fiscal driven boom coming. Uh, we did hear from the ECB that they're ready to buy more bonds relative to the U.S. plans. I mean, Powell's basically said, hey, I'm buying a ton of bonds. We're not going to buy any more. So they're kind of QE and bond buying being fixed at the moment, whatever you want to call it, uh, versus in the ECB where they haven't been quite as welcoming to yields moving higher. I mean, is that also going to play a role here if they're going to keep piling on different bond buying programs and we're just going to let our 10-year rise what's that connection between bonds and the dollar the way you see it sure so if if yields are rising because the economy is strong that's seen as an attractive reason to buy a currency and i think that's the situation we'll be in throughout the rest of this year and perhaps beyond when it comes to mm. the u.s uh the fed of course has the most control over short-term interest rates. Uh, they have expressed that they're not particularly concerned yet with the rise that we're seeing in longer-term interest rates. So I think that's the Fed giving a sort of implicit green light for traders to keep driving those yields higher, which in the long run, in a 0% interest rate world, if the US economy is humming, if yields are higher, I think that's a very easy trade for global macro bond traders, global macro currency traders to identify that the US may be the place to park their assets for the near term.
So Matt, I mean, what you're saying here for kind of traditional investors who think about this as being a necessary, this QE, this fiscal impulse now that we're kind of moving from monetary to fiscal, this impulse we're getting to restart the economy. There's a lot of folks that are fine with that. They're not worried about runaway inflation. Very few guests of mine are. However, there's another cohort of growing support that's in the Bitcoin realm, the gold bugs, but really the Bitcoiners lately that say hyperinflation is the concern. Dollar devaluation of fiat is the concern. I mean, is that thesis? It sounds like from what you're saying that that thesis is kind of getting blown out of the water here when we keep printing and we keep supporting through policy. But now the dollar has turned around and gone higher on us. Yeah, so that's certainly a risk, but I think we have to put these moves into context. The yield on the 10-year bond has moved from, let's call it 0.9 or 1% uh, a year ago at this time, up to 1.7%. Yep. So that's a doubling in the yield, but it's still 1.7%. That means there are trillions of dollars of capital that are perfectly content to earn 1.5% on their money over the next 10 years. So um, certainly that bet could lose. Certainly that could be a bad return if we see inflation rise, but I think at this point, concerns about hyperinflation, double-digit inflation here in some of the Western developed economies is, is frankly a little bit overblown. If we see inflation rising, the Fed trying to rein it in and nothing's happening when we hit three, four, five percent inflation, well, maybe we can revisit that. But right now, I think uh, you're, you're putting the, the uh, cart in front of the horse if you're getting concerned about hyperinflation at this time. Yeah, okay, so you view the dollar strength as uh, signaling the progress we're making on the vaccine, combined with the policy that we're outlying as being effective, right? It's not wasteful, it's not immediately leading to inflation. What about the potential for more of that policy? We've got infrastructure coming down the pike, I guess because this one they're actually talking about trying to fund it through taxes, then maybe it has even less potential to have that kind of explosive inflationary impulse? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do expect at this point that President Biden and the Democrats will attach some element of an increase in taxes to this, especially on the corporate side, though also on uh, higher earning individuals. So there'll be some sort of offset here, but I think just a lot of uh, policymakers have had their eyes opened with the rise of MMT, modern monetary theory, the idea that large deficits in and of themselves may not lead to negative economic outcomes. Of course, there, this is a pendulum that goes side to side and perhaps uh, eventually will be underestimating the risk of those deficits. But I think anyone who's being objective looking back at the last 10 years would say that we've run too small of deficits to support the economy and it's something that's inhibited economic growth. So uh, any sort of tax rise, I think, will partially offset the infrastructure bill, but I could also see it at the margin increasing our deficit in addition to mm. all the emergency spending uh, around the pandemic. Interesting. Matt, I'm looking at your notes and you uh, also watch seasonality as we enter the spring. What should we expect and is there anything historically that applies or is this just unique, very uh, one-time style past 12 months? I mean, does it blow out any traditional calendar seasonality? Yeah, that's that's always the thing with seasonality, right, is is your sample size is always going to be small. Every single year is a completely different environment. But we still want to keep an eye on these trends. Sometimes the most useful conclusions you can draw is when the seasonality does not play out as expected. If 
Uh, and just to pull some examples for April to help our, our listeners prepare, the U.S. dollar has historically been relatively weak in April. Since 2000, it's actually the second weakest month. And then on the other side of the market, when it comes to FX, the British pound has been extremely strong. It's been up 16 of the past 20 years in April, as well as the Canadian dollar. It's actually the best month for the Canadian dollar in April as well. That might be stemming from the fact that oil also tends to rise in April. Oil, of course, very closely correlated with Canada's currency. So those will be some of the mm. themes I'm watching. And if we see them play out as expected, especially if it's supported by different fundamental and technical factors, that's just one more feather in the cap to help uh, give the listeners more confidence with their investments. And even if it doesn't play out as expected, that can still be valuable information going forward. If, for example, uh, the U.S. dollar is so strong that right. it overcomes its that seasonality, yeah. weak seasonal tendency, that's uh, a, a potentially bullish sign moving forward as well.